1: Darren Pritchett back with you on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. It's time to talk Notre Dame football, fighting Irish hot topics with Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated. Read his work right now at blueandgold.com. Well, Tyler, good to be with you in the evening hours after many interviews Early in the morning, now shifting back to the afternoons. I'm glad you're shifting with me and looking forward to talking a lot of Notre Dame football with you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad that you uh, brought us on over into the evening hours. and. Like I told you just a few minutes ago, I'm wide awake, so I should be able to uh, articulate all these thoughts I have. I have
1: plenty of them. Yeah, Tyler, as a Dallas Maverick and Dallas Star fan, he was doing interviews on my morning show probably hours after watching the Mavericks out in Phoenix and the Stars out in Calgary. So you had some late nights. You're a trooper, and I I appreciated you getting up and chatting with me about Notre Dame football, which we're going to do right now before the Mavericks play tonight, which works out, I think, a little better for your sleep pattern. So let's start with Brian Kelly departing for LSU, Tyler. Tommy Reese has been the offensive coordinator under Brian Kelly, now for Marcus Freeman. And this is my perception, and I think it's a lot of people's perception. Tommy Reese ran Brian Kelly's offense, one that he ran as a quarterback, at least parts of it, here in South Bend. But now that Brian is gone, it feels like a shadow is lifted, and we might actually see a little bit more of Tommy's personality in this year's offense. Do you agree with that hypothetical?
0: I think it's one of those things that we really had no idea until this crazy situation that happened five months ago actually happened. We would never know who Tommy Reese actually is 100% as an offensive coordinator, as a play caller, until Brian Kelly was gone. It's kind of like taking the, the training wheels off of a, a bike, right? You don't know if you can ride that thing until they're gone. I think Tommy Reese is going to do fine. I think the bike is going to go, you know, down the street, full speed ahead. But we're going to learn a lot of things about Tommy Reese as a play caller as this goes along. But I will say, too, that play calling, being an offensive coordinator, it's a lot driven on your personnel and the quarterback is going to be different for Notre Dame this year. We saw Notre Dame's offense last year finally kind of settle into a groove. And that was when Brian Kelly and and Tommy Reese was in on these conversations said, okay, we got to get the ball out of Jack Cohen's hands quick because our offensive line isn't playing very well. And he's getting sacked in two seconds on way too many of our plays. Now you've got a mobile quarterback. If it is going to be sophomore Tyler Buckner, and you can do a lot more things, with that. And I think we're going to see that Tyler Buckner is going to be out on the edge a whole lot. You're probably going to see some options. You're probably going to see some run pass options, which, you know, Jack Cohn wasn't really the guy to do that with. So I think Tom Reese is smart enough to put some of those things in the offense, especially when you've got what looks like a number one running back with Logan Diggs having shoulder surgery. It looks like Chris Tyree is going to be your number one running back. He's a dynamic guy. He's not up between the tackles first second third down type of guy so you're going to see a lot of things get out on the edge and then you factor in what's going on with the wide receiver room as well I think Notre Dame's going to want to be able to run the ball that starts with Buckner and then it goes down to Chris Tyree and some of those other guys in the backfield
1: I want to build on that comment because I started my program yesterday talking about the Notre Dame run game but I talked about it from a different standpoint. Now, us old guys, Tyler, we kind of grew up with the three yards and the cloud of dust. I mean, you had to run the football well to win football games and win championships. But I think we have seen in college football, throwing the football very effectively with an okay running game, you can still win a national championship. And you look at last year, the four teams that made the playoff. If you go by rushing offense, only one of those four was in the top 36 in the country. That was Michigan. Alabama was 77th in rushing offense, which is crazy to think. Now, if you have Joe Burrow and you have that type of quarterback, obviously you can get by. From a Notre Dame standpoint, in an era where throwing the football is highly effective and winning a championship, Trevor Lawrence, the same thing. How important is it for the Irish to run the football, and do you think Notre Dame is going to want to be a running team like they were a couple of years ago, amassing over 200 yards per game. Is that their formula for success?
0: You mentioned a couple teams right there. Michigan is, was traditional in the sense that they could run to mm-hmm. set up the pass, and that's what football has been you know, forever until, sure. what, about 2014 or so. Alabama was one of those teams that throws the ball to set up the run, and we saw that too. And both of those teams also did not have rushing quarterbacks, and Michigan was able to survive that because those two running backs that they had were awesome and worked in tandem incredibly. But Bryce Young, if you look at it, I'm pretty sure factoring in sacks, he had negative rushing yards last year. So that's going to be why Alabama was so low. I think Tyler Buckner could easily run for, uh, I don't know, 400, 500 yards this year. I don't think that's out of the question. I think people think that – With the amount of times he's going to be able to scramble you know that's going to be good for a couple hundred yards and then last year alone he came in for i don't know just over 100 plays or so the whole season and ran for i think it was over 300 yards so that's going to help notre dame set up the pass and they're going to be a lot like alabama in the sense that or excuse me michigan and some of those traditional teams where when you're running you're going to set up the pass and i think notre dame's going to have to be that because look, we really don't know what Tyler Buckner is as a passer. So if you're going to drop him back 40 times a game, I think you're going to lose most of those games because I just don't think that that's what Notre Dame wants to rely on. So yes, to answer your question, I do think Notre Dame can win effectively being a run first team. I know the formula these days is pass, 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 Hmm. but you know, I just said it. Did you really want a first year starting quarterback to be that pass, pass, pass guy? Because Let's face it, Tyler Buckner isn't exactly heralded as, as well of a you know pinpoint, pristine passer as somebody like Bryce Young at Alabama.
1: Hmm. Well, a nice running game in Columbus to keep that Buckeye offense off the field might be as good a thing as anything mm-hmm. Tommy Reese could dial up early on in that ballgame. Tyler Horka talking Notre Dame football on Budweiser's Weekday sports Beat. He is the Notre Dame football beat reporter at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Eleven months from now, there is an outside chance Notre Dame tight end Michael Mayer will be a first-round pick, maybe even a top-ten pick. But right now, he is the top pass catcher on this Notre Dame football team. We know who the number-one tight end is going to be when the Irish head down to Ohio State. But what about the number-two tight end position Tyler, you had George Takas in that role last year. He jumped into the transfer portal and landed at Boston College, so he'll play at Notre Dame Stadium this year with a pretty familiar quarterback throwing him the football. But here in South Bend, it's a very interesting tight end room. I think there's a lot of interesting options, some young options for the Irish to possibly work with. So with Mayor being the constant as the number one tight end, how do you think the number 2 tight end position is going to work out? Is it going to be one guy, or do you think it could be tight end by committee based on the fact they may need a different type of tight end depending on the down and distance?
0: Yeah, I think it's going to be by committee, but I also think it's a little bit of a survival of the fittest situation because in my eyes you have three guys, which is Kevin Bauman, Mitchell Evans, and Kane Barong. Two of those guys have been injured a lot in the last year. We just saw Kevin Bauman basically bow out of the blue gold game early because he was dealing with something. This is the same Kevin Bauman that uh, I think it was, he fractured his leg or his foot yeah. last year uh, early on in the season. And he missed the rest of the season. King Barong tore his ACL pretty early in the year. He missed the rest of the season. So Mitchell Evans benefited from that. And I think he got a lot of really good reps as the number three side end behind Mayor behind Takis last year. So I wouldn't be surprised if early on in the season, just based on the way he's been able to stay healthy and based on those reps that he got last year, that he was kind of the number two guy. But, man, I've seen Kevin Bauman when he is healthy. If if you're trying to go, uh, you know, 12 personnel in a passing down and you're looking for pass catching options, I mentioned the wide receiver room, and we, we talked about it in the mornings a lot over the last five months, but that wide receiver room isn't necessarily in the best spot. I think Michael Mayer and Kevin Bauman running routes on the same down, on the same play, could be pretty lethal for Notre Dame's offense. And Tommy Reese could do a whole lot with that. And I think Mitchell Evans kind of fits in there too. Look, you have three guys right there that, to me, they're all kind of the same guy. And we haven't seen a lot of Kane Barong. So I'm going to put him a step below those two guys. But speaking of Kevin Bauman and Mitchell Evans, I think they're both really good pass-catching offense. I'm not so sure Notre Dame has a tight end that – when you're lining up in 12 or 22 and you need to run somebody over, and this is including Michael Mayer, I don't know if Notre Dame has that guy, but, you know, Harry, he stands back, and he's going to solve a lot of those issues, so the offensive line is going to carry most of that weight. But in terms of pass catching options from the tight ends, I think Notre Dame and new uh, tight ends coach Gerard Parker has a wealth of riches in that regard.
1: So what you're saying is you want Rocco Spindler as an H-back in those situations? Sure,
0: sure.
1: We'll see if he can catch the football. But I'll say this, if Irish fans could have sat with us during fall camp last year 84 showed up a lot pass catching Mm -hmm. in the red zone. I mean, if you knew nothing about the Irish, you would have said, man, that 84 is going to play a big role in the offense in 2021. But the injury against Florida State stopped his progress. But I sure thought he was going to have a major role considering what we saw in fall camp. I know you can't believe everything you see, but, boy, he showed up a lot, Tyler, when we had the chance to watch practice.
0: Yeah, and I think that hurt Notre Dame that he went down so early in the year in the season opener because – teams were able to key in on Michael Mayer in the red zone and I know Mayer caught I think it was seven touchdowns by the end of the year two of those come in the fiesta bowl and, and they were down I think both were in the red zone so you know it showed up Michael Mayer is going to catch his touchdowns down there but imagine if you have two of those guys running you know similar routes or they're on opposite ends of the field and now you know defenses have to worry about both halves of the field down there That that makes a huge difference and George Tackis is good. John McNulty had a lot of good things to say about them, but now they're both at Boston College, so they can you know, <laughs> do those good things over there. But I really do think when 87 and 84 are on the field at the same time this year, Notre Dame's going to be in a pretty good spot, particularly in the red zone, like you said.
1: Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Don't you have the feeling McNulty's going to dial up a few plays for Takis in that game? I mean, it just feels like it's coming, doesn't it? Absolutely. (laughs) Tyler Horka, Blue and Gold Illustrated, Notre Dame football beat reporter. Joining me, Darren Pritchett, on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on WSBT Radio. All right, putting aside the quarterback competition that I think we all believe belongs to Tyler Buckner, but let's forget about that competition for a moment. Besides the quarterback competition, what do you think is going to be the most important starting job that is still up for grabs going into fall camp?
0: Okay, I'm going to throw a curveball at you, and Uh-oh. some of the listeners may be like, is he really saying this right now? But I think a lot of the listeners are actually going to be like, you know what, I was at that blue goal game or I watched it on Peacock, and he's right. It's the kicking position. Notre Dame lost a three-year starter in Jonathan Doerr, and I think right now the Irish are kind of shaking their head. They don't know where to turn. They don't have a guy right now. They brought in Blake group from Arkansas state and he missed a field goal in the blue goal game, uh, Josh, Bryan, you know, he was the guy that was supposed to be getting groomed by door this whole time. And he missed two kicks in the blue goal game. There are going to be games that come down to a field goal. We saw it a couple times last year and door made both of those and Notre Dame won both games. I don't know if Notre Dame has that guy on the roster right now that you trot out there and you, and you say, Hey, you need to make this 44 yarder. If you do, we win. If you don't, we lose. Based on what we saw in the blue goal game and and based on what we saw in three or four spring practices before the blue goal game, I don't know. I think it's pretty shaky right now. And that's a, that's a position that is a lot built on confidence and there doesn't seem to be a lot of it right now. So can Brian Mason kind of, Come up with some of that over the summer, I'm not sure. But right now, uh, in terms of importance, because you look at kickers, Darren, and a lot of times they end up being the most, you know, they put the most points on the board of anyone in program history. Blake Group did it at Arkansas State. I'm sure there's a lot of other schools where the kicker puts up more points than anybody else. They add up, and if you're missing them, they don't add up, and that's a problem.
1: Interesting thought. Three things come to mind. Right away, hearing you you know, talk about this, number one, first off, we're not going just by the blue goal game, or as you said, some of the media practices, but even Marcus Freeman, Tyler, when asked by the media, you could tell he was concerned about place kicking. So this isn't just based on those missed kicks in the blue mm-hmm. goal game. It feels like this was a month and a half problem.
0: Yeah, absolutely it was. And uh, media, it's funny. I don't know why Marcus Freeman did this. Maybe he didn't know that he didn't have a good kicking situation, but a lot of times in the 30 minutes or so that we got to watch, they started with special teams and they started with field goals. And these guys were missing 30, 35 yarders inside the Irish athletic center where there's no conditions. It's it's basically a dome uh, and a small one at that. There's, there's no wind circulating at all. And these guys were just missing kicks wide, left, right, right. So it, it's, it's definitely concerning. And it's even more concerning when you go out and you bring in a guy. Usually when you do that, he is going to be the guy he is going to start. Brandon Joseph is going to start for Notre Dame at safety because he's probably the best secondary player that Notre Dame has, you know, cornerback or safety. You go out and get a kicker from the portal, a graduate transfer, and he's in a kicking competition with a true sophomore who Mm. probably looks a little worse than he does. So it's, it's not a very good situation for Notre Dame right now.
1: I'll just quickly add in one more comment. I'm wondering if you've gotten this message yet from the veteran Irish fans on your board or people that email you, but I'm sure if you have not gotten this already, you'll get it soon that those people will say, well, Lou Holtz used to go to the soccer team and find a kicker along the way. So I'm sure you'll be getting that at some point if you've not gotten it already.
0: Well, Brian Dowd was actually punting in the blue-goal game. I don't know if you noticed that. I'm pretty sure he's a goalkeeper on the Notre Dame (laughs) soccer team. So they had him punting, but maybe they should have him kicking.
1: (laughs) Who knows? Who knows? Long way to go before we get to fall camp. Tyler, I want to get to one more topic with you. NFL draft. Now, Marcus Freeman, of course, you could say was – A part of the reason why the Bearcats were really good last year, Cincinnati making the playoff, he recruited and coached a lot of those players before moving on to Notre Dame. Nine Bearcats were taken in the NFL draft. Only two Notre Dame players were taken. And I believe Marcus was speaking to a group in Chicago, and Tyler has a story about this at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. But it sounds like Marcus wasn't overly thrilled about that statistic.
0: No, he wasn't. And he kept it pretty short and succinct when he said it. He just said basically that it's unacceptable and that it shouldn't happen. And, you know, if he has anything to say about it, and I think his number one recruiting class in the country based on the on 3 consensus team rankings right now would say that it's just not going to happen again as long as he's here. And And look, sometimes these things go in waves, right? I think Notre Dame just had eight players taken in the 2021 draft, that's a substantial amount. That's more than Alabama had this year. Alabama just played for a national title and won a national title a couple seasons ago. So these things fluctuate, but when you put it in the context of, Hey, I just came from this place. I was there for four seasons and we had uh, nine players selected in the NFL draft. And now I come to this place where I've only been here for a year. So I haven't really had the chance to change things or send people to the draft, and we only had two, I think it puts Marcus Freeman in a position to do what he did in Chicago and say, hey, I was a part of that. You know, I I had more to do with what Cincinnati did in this year's NFL draft than what Notre Dame did, and Cincinnati did a whole lot better. I think that's the point that he was trying to make is that, you know, under my watch, we're going to get the type of talent that's not only going to win football games here at the collegiate level, but these guys are going to go on to the next level in the NFL draft in mass. And that's all part of it. When you're putting guys in the NFL, it usually means that you're winning in college. And like you said, Darren, Cincinnati went to the college football playoff, beat Notre Dame, and was the first group of five teams to ever qualify for the playoffs.
1: Mm. Hey, one more question for you. Notre Dame baseball is taking on the Miami Hurricanes' final regular season series of the year. The s- season has gone briskly. Game down in Miami, two top 10 teams squaring off. I'm wondering... These three games for Notre Dame, could you argue they are more important for their NCAA tournament overall seeding than what will happen in the ACC tournament?
0: Um, yes, and that is to the that, that's to say, if they sweep it, then I think they could be an eight seed, no top eight national seed in the NCAA tournament, no matter what happens in Charlotte. If they get swept, they're not going to be a top eight seed. That's it. So, yeah, it's definitely important from that perspective. But if they win two games, then I think they're still on the fence and they're going to have to do something in Charlotte. And then at that point, the ACC tournament becomes just as important. If they lose two and win one, they might have to win the ACC tournament. So at that point, the ACC tournament is still as important, or if not more so. But right now, they're going down there thinking, we have to win this series to still be in consideration to host a Super Regional on South Bend. So from that perspective, oh, absolutely. These yeah. are the three most important games of the year that they've played to this point, and it's fitting that it's against you know the top team in the ACC on the road in the last weekend of the regular season. I'm really stoked to watch those games.
1: Well, it's pretty remarkable. Link Jarrett as the head coach of the Fighting Irish, Notre Dame on the road, a 7-17 winning percentage, 33-13. and That is incredible. And that series starts tomorrow night down at Alex Rodriguez Park. All right, Tyler, what's happening at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com?
0: A whole lot is happening for sure. We've got baseball coverage for you. Uh, My colleague Patrick Engel was actually at the NBA uh, draft combine today in Chicago, so he's going to have a lot of cool stories from watching Blake Wesley, who's a potential lottery pick, so that'll be uh, really fun to to read up on those because I think everybody's really excited to see where he goes. And then I think anybody on the Notre Dame football beat, nobody's putting out more off-season football content than BlueAndGold.com. We actually had somebody on the message board uh, message us and say, "Hey, you know, I've I've been a Notre Dame fan for a long time. Never have I seen so many articles come out in the month of May when generally nothing's going on." So. To answer your question, everything is going on. Go to blueandgold.com, sign up for $1 for one year of premium access because you definitely will not regret it.
1: Tyler, good to be with you today. Thank you so much for the Notre Dame football conversation and good luck to the Mavericks.
0: All right, thank you. Go Mavs. Go Mavs.
1: Hey, we'll talk to you soon.
0: All right, see you, Darren.
1: Notre Dame football beat reporter for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com, Tyler Horka joining me. Here on Sports Radio 960, WSBT, your time is
0: 6:30. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?
1: In line at the deli, I guess. Ah, in my dentist's office.